As dawn gave way to day, the uneventful, quiet life of Roanoke Ridge proceeded in its slow rhythm. This secluded small town, nestled between towering mountains and the unforgiving wilderness, held a peculiar rule that distinguished it from the outside world, a strictly enforced curfew from sunset to sunrise, without a single exception. Amid this simplicity, a group of us, bold and impulsive teenagers, found our refuge at an old, abandoned mill that lay on the outskirts of town. It was our secret hideout, a place where we could escape the humdrum life of Roanoke and entertain ourselves with tales and games. On one of these monotonous afternoons, the silence was broken by Pete, a lanky boy with a knack for mischief. His eyes sparkled with curiosity as he tossed a pebble into the still waters of the nearby pond, breaking the reflective surface. Ever wonder what happens after curfew? His words, while simple, echoed with a profound question that we all had entertained at one point or another. The question lingered in the cool afternoon air, creating a silence that was only broken by the distant cawing of a crow. It was Sue, the mayor's stubborn yet charismatic daughter, who decided to confront this mystery head-on. A slight smile played on her lips as she proposed her bold idea. Let's find out, she declared, the sunlight reflecting in her eyes, revealing a spark of rebellious energy and determination that was hard to resist. Caught in her infectious audacity, we found ourselves nodding in agreement, the thrilling notion of rebellion washing over us. Thus, the dare was established. We decided to meet at our haven, the mill, under the cover of darkness, prepared to flout the rules, ready to uncover the enigma that shrouded our town once the sun dipped below the horizon. We were both terrified and exhilarated, little realizing that our pact would plunge our tranquil town into a night of unanticipated horror. As the sun dipped below the horizon, an eerie stillness descended upon Roanoke Ridge. A typical summer night unfurled its blanket of stars overhead, and yet, a peculiar chill seeped into the air, stirring a sense of dread that crept up my spine, causing goosebumps to pepper my skin. I quietly navigated through the shadows of my house, grabbing a sturdy flashlight from the hallway drawer. Taking a moment to peer into my parents' room, I observed their peaceful slumber. Their faces, usually lined with worry and work, looked serene under the moonlight streaming in from the window. I whispered a silent apology to them before slipping out into the night, a nocturnal rebel ready to break the sacrosanct curfew. The darkness outside was thick, consuming everything in its reach. The familiar pathway leading to the old mill was transformed into a foreboding trail. Aided by the meager light from my flashlight, I carefully made my way towards our clandestine meeting spot. As I neared the mill, its imposing silhouette against the dark sky seemed to resonate with an aura of menace, the weathered structure appearing more sinister under the night's cloak. However, the sight of my friends, slowly emerging from the darkness, their faces illuminated in the glow of their flashlights, eased the growing tension. One by one, we assembled. Pete with his usual swagger, Sue's fiery determination shimmering in her eyes, Jesse with a nervous but excited smile, the twins Mark and Mary looking indistinguishable in the low light, and I, standing among them, a mix of anticipation and fear churning in my gut. We gathered close, 
Our laughter and jokes piercing the quiet night. We were trying to mask our unease with humor, a shield of bravado against the unknown. It was a thrill, the excitement of a clandestine adventure, the allure of forbidden territory. Yet, beneath it all, lay the realization that we were about to shatter the one rule that Roanoke Ridge held sacrosanct. In the sanctity of the night, we were the transgressors, about to poke the beast our ancestors had sought to cage with the curfew. The hour that followed our gathering was filled with aimless wandering around the mill. The empty structure, usually a host to our laughter and whispers, echoed back our nervous chatter with a somber resonance. Despite the nervous energy that filled the air, there was no unusual event or sign of any nocturnal danger, leading us towards a complacency that the curfew was nothing more than an age-old tactic to ensure our obedience and prevent late-night mischief. Just as this hypothesis was gaining credibility, our world was violently disrupted. It started with a low, deep rumble, akin to an animalistic growl, which cut through the tranquility of the night. The sound was distant at first, but it gradually grew louder and nearer, a symphony of dread that seemed to pulsate through the very air around us. Our laughter and playful banter faltered, replaced by a stunned silence. Each one of us froze, our faces pale under the stark flashlight beams, our eyes wide in anticipation. Fear wounded its icy fingers around our hearts, gripping us in a chilling hold. Suddenly, the solid ground beneath us trembled, and an extensive crack sliced open the earth before us. From this gaping wound in the ground, a figure began to rise. A shadowy form, enormous in stature and grotesque in appearance, crawled out from the abyss, its presence blotting out the moon and stars above. The entity towered over us, an unholy apparition that seemed more fitting in a ghastly nightmare than our quiet town. The reality of what we had dared to confront struck us in that moment, causing our bravado to evaporate, leaving behind a stark terror that seeped into our bones. We were face to face with the unthinkable, the reason behind the curfew, and the entity was everything we had feared it would be. The figure that stood before us was an abomination, a gruesome blend of human and beast. Its towering form bore a grotesque resemblance to a man, but the elongated limbs and hunched back were reminiscent of a predatory beast. Two piercing eyes, akin to molten coals, burned in the dark recesses of its skull, emitting an unsettling glow that added a sinister touch to its already terrifying form. The entity growled, a chilling, resonant sound that echoed through the still night, causing a tremor of fear to ripple through us. Frozen in our spots, we were like deer caught in the headlights of an oncoming truck, paralyzed by terror. Our instincts of fight or flight, which should have kicked in, were locked in the vice-like grip of dread. As if reading our immobilization as an invitation, the entity moved. It lunged towards us with a speed that belied its massive size, an unnatural agility that heightened the terror of the moment. Panic, raw and overpowering, erupted among us like a seismic wave. Our paralysis broke, and we scattered in every direction, desperate to escape the monstrous threat. The darkness of the night, once a veil of thrill and adventure, now seemed a treacherous maze as we ran aimlessly. Behind us, the entity gave chase, 
its growls becoming the nightmarish soundtrack to our flight. The terrified screams of Sue and the frantic shouts of Pete punctuated the night as we ran. I darted around a large tree, pressing myself against the rough bark, my breath ragged and my heart pounding like a war drum in my chest. I huddled in my hiding spot, praying to every deity I knew that the beast would not discover me. One by one, I saw the beams of our flashlights waver and die, their lights snuffed out by the enveloping darkness. Mark and Mary, then Jesse, and finally, Pete, each disappearance marked by a dreadful silence that followed the extinguishing of their light. The night had devoured them, their lights swallowed by the ceaseless black, leaving only their echoing screams as a testament to the terror we had so foolishly dared to confront. While the terror within me screamed to remain hidden, a surge of courage overcame my fears. I couldn't just hide while my friends were in danger. Grasping at the ground, my fingers closed around a sizable rock, its sharp edges promising a crude but effective weapon. With a deep breath to steel myself, I cautiously emerged from my hiding spot, the chilling air of the night brushing against my determined face. The sight that met my eyes fueled my courage into a roaring flame. The entity had cornered Sue against the old mill, her face a mask of terror. Pushing down my fear and uncertainty, I mustered every ounce of my strength and sprinted towards the grotesque figure. The sharp rock, clutched tightly in my hand, plunged into the back of the beast. It let out an ear-splitting screech, the sound echoing off the nearby trees and structures, a chilling announcement of our resistance. The distraction worked long enough for Sue to slip from its grasp. She scrambled to her feet, her hands wrapping around a broken branch that lay nearby. The branch, jagged and rough, served as her weapon as she ran to join me. Now standing together, we became a united front against the nightmarish creature. What ensued was a desperate struggle, a dance of survival in the haunting darkness of the night. Fueled by fear, desperation, and a will to survive, we attacked the entity. Each time our makeshift weapons made contact, it let out an agonizing roar that echoed through the silence, a sound that was sure to rouse the sleeping town. And it did. Lights began to flicker on in the distant houses, doors creaked open, and soon, the villagers were awakened, alerted by the sounds of our frantic battle. They had awoken to the realization that their centuries-old nightmare had been rudely disturbed, pushing their tranquil town into a desperate fight for survival. As the townsfolk arrived at the scene, their eyes widened at the sight of Sue and me, battered and bruised, engaged in an unthinkable battle with the entity. But instead of stepping in directly, they formed a protective circle around us, their faces somber, their eyes focused on the creature. Without a word, they began to chant in unison, their voices rising and falling rhythmically in an ancient language that I could not recognize. It was like a haunting melody, eerie yet entrancing, resounding in the stillness of the pre-dawn hour. The entity recoiled with each successive chant, its monstrous form trembling and shrinking, as if the words held a power it feared. It roared, an ominous sound filled with anger and agony, attempting one last desperate lunge at us. But the dawn was breaking, 
and with the first rays of the sun peeking over the horizon, it released a final ear-piercing shriek before it was forced to retreat back into the fissure it had emerged from. The ground sealed shut, leaving no trace of the nightmare that had plagued our night. The chanting ceased, replaced by a palpable relief that washed over the crowd. The villagers rushed forward, their faces etched with concern as they helped Sue and me to our feet. We had made it through the night, surviving an ordeal that none of us had ever imagined. The events of the night taught us a harsh lesson, one that had been conveyed through generations in the form of the curfew. We understood then that the rule was not born of mere tradition or control, it was a safeguard, a necessary shield born of fear and a desire to protect against an ancient evil. From that day onward, no one in Roanoke Ridge dared to question the curfew. Life returned to its tranquil pace as our wounds healed, and our terrifying encounter became a whispered tale. Yet, the chilling memory of that night was a constant reminder of the deadly truth lurking beneath our town. When night falls in Roanoke Ridge, it brings something eerie with it. Something we, as mere mortals, were never meant to witness.